0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, time for our first guest. He is Phil Shaw from Operation People. And just about Phil Shaw, over his working life, he served in the military, the healthcare science sector, and in countering human trafficking. Uh, He has military experience in counter-terrorist operations, special operations forces, New Zealand special air services... He's um, been involved in intelligence systems and analysis, health science. He's got a Bachelor of Medical Laboratory Science and practiced in chemical pathology. And he is a very well-qualified man. He's also part of Operation People with Chantel Baker, and you may remember not too long ago we had uh, quite a deep dive, as I've called it, into his work looking into the disinformation project, the people involved in it, how it kind of works, um, how it's been funded, etc. Anyway, I've asked Phil to come on the program this morning as an intel and information gatherer and analyst to get his view of where this culture war I think we can call it a culture war, is heading with the two sides sort of um, facing off against each other. Uh, You've got the story that the Herald have done, Big Read, they call it, uh, the life and alternate realities of Chantel Baker by senior writer David Fisher. Are we heading to a point where this could get serious and become a kind of national security threat? Phil, welcome to Reality Check Radio again. Nice to have you.
1: Yeah, hi Paul. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on again.
0: Okay, so I thought it would be good just to have a quick chat because it seems to me and others, I'm sure, that this is the latest example. This, and I think I, I would call it a hit piece on Chantel Baker, who, of course, is one of the lineup, one of the team here at uh, Reality Check Radio, as well as as operation people. Um, and you're involved in that, of course, uh, to sort of find out at what point we're at with this, what I guess people would term a culture war, but maybe up to now it's flipped into something a little more serious, and that is possibly to a level of uh, a threat to national security, and and we'll uh, kind of explain that as we go. So we've got the disinformation project. We've got the media going hard at it. We've got uh, certain members out there of society uh, I'm thinking of the Chanel Nao and uh, the activists who poured the tomato juice over Posey Parker. And, of course, our uh, good uh, friend, the Sri Lankan doctor, Sanjana Tua from um, the Disinformation Project, who are clearly agitating and, and saying quite inflammatory things. The word genocidal was used the other day by Dr. Tua. Um, He was the uh, person who made uh, a comment uh, in media just uh, within the week or so relating to the aftermath of what happened at Albert Park on March 25th, that Saturday morning, that uh, levels of hate and he conflated it with, uh, you know, far right extremist groups kind of joining up with people who might have been more on the anti-vax Crowd, I hate using that term, but let's uh, let's use it. Um, that the hate level towards the trans community had, had hit a genocidal level. Now that's a serious word. Yeah, the police who weren't protecting, it seems, the uh, people at that. Um, event in Albert Park. We're talking about the Let Women Speak uh, people mainly, obviously. And they've come out now and said, look, if anyone's threatening the trans community, call us and we'll be there. We'll turn up. They let the Colombian person um, out of the country, apparently. Arrest warrant there now, but uh, how good is that when they're not even in the country? Uh, And you've got um, the uh, SIS and the head of the SIS, Kitteridge, saying not too long ago in developing some sort of pamphlet, some sort of guideline for citizens who may be concerned that their neighbour is going off the rails to contact them. It seems to me now we're getting to a level where there is such loose talk out there. I mean, genocidal is a serious word. We've got institutions of state, including, you know, um, the disinformation project, which seems to be working um, kind of, in lockstep or fall or or is sympathetic to the government and the the power side of it, all coming together to, hmm, how would you say, if you're an intelligence gathering person of which you have been in your previous sort of uh, life, putting all those ingredients together do we have a forming what what we could what the Americans would always probably say as a national security issue, weaponization of institutions, academics and activists um, saying very inflated and alarming rhetoric using the genocidal term mm. uh, again. Um, it's a long winded way of me getting to you to ask: Have we got a problem? Is this a, is this a bigger problem? than just he said she said.
1: Yeah yeah I think it's. Um... You know, it's definitely sort of a, a sort of cultural war. Um, now, if, if we go back to Jacinda Ardern's UN speech, we can see that she uh, outlined that cultural war in that speech where she, um, and, and I'll, I'll do a video on this speech coming up soon, um, but she essentially equates um, what they class as disinformation uh, to the likes of nuclear war. Um, and and the weapons of of sort of what they called the old form of war. Um, and so you've got so, sort of this rhetoric coming right from central government, um, and then you've got central government setting up um, or requesting uh, Te Putahambatatini to set up the disinformation project. And that project essentially sets the narrative, and so that's where you've got, say, Sanjana Hatatua who is setting a narrative um, and, and then using that narrative on mainstream media uh, to create spin. Now, now, they were funded by the government. They've since in sort of a mid-2022, they went um, private, so they stepped out of uh, Auckland University where it's quite likely that they sort of severed that relationship because Auckland University is actually under the Official Information Act. Um, their documents show that they're very aware that their documents can be potentially uh, retrieved by the Official Information Act. Um, but they're, they're essentially using taxpayer money to actually spin quite a significant narrative. And it's a, it's a very divisive narrative, and I think that's where... Uh, we, we're we really starting to get a problem because what, what we're seeing is across um, academia, across some of these projects, is they're really starting to vilify a huge portion of New Zealand society. And it is, it is drawn along ideological lines. And then what's really concerning is that a lot of public service agencies like the New Zealand Police are actually and NZSIS are actually picking this narrative up and they're actually, I guess, they're not actually enforcing the law um, and under sort of equal justice under the law terms. They're, they're actually taking sides. And we can see that with the likes of the New Zealand Police the New, New Zealand police are, are driving around in cars with rainbow stripes on them. So they've taken sort of a side already and they're showing their sort of solidarity with with one side of the argument. Now, the other way we can look at it is through their actions, say, at that Posey Parker event where we did see a, a, a sort of failure to respond in a timely manner and, and, and also failure to keep those protesters separated from the actual event and so i i do think we are actually getting to quite a bit of a problem where the narrative is spinning a narrative of division and hate and and it's it's inflating an issue and then what we're doing is is we're seeing uh, public service agencies actually taking a side on that, which I think is is very dangerous because they should be there to represent all sections of the community in a non biased um, fashion.
0: And then you've got um, a lot of talk in the media and in this piece uh, on Chantelle, alluding to you know sort of dark money from overseas. Uh, and this is not new, It's it's been going on a bit, this sort of uh, attempt to link dark money, far-right money, the relentless use of the term far-right, by the way, when really there is no... Classification or description of of what that means, and also you know, intimating uh, Russian connections as well. What you would expect if you wanted to create a narrative like that. But at the same time, you've got the people that um, I mentioned at the start of this. The three people that I mentioned, um, they're all from outside the country. They're not from New Zealand. And okay, uh, it's great that people can come and live here, and you know, they can thank us all they like for creating a, a stable country a good platform from um, which they can operate but actually if there's any outside influence causing problems it's them
1: i think you're right there and i think also what we've seen is um the ideology that they're actually sort of uh, that's driving a lot of this is actually also an an ideology from outside new zealand as well now, now, it has come through academic circles, and I guess within um, academia, you do have sort of borrowing of ideas right across sort of the world. Um, you know, you publish your information or your research in a journal article, and then other um, institutions will, or, or, and, and researchers will pick up those articles and, and use that information that you've published. Um, so there is quite a lot of sharing. Um, however, like this, this ideology is coming from out of, out of America. Um, it is it is sort of a United States of American sort of ideology that has has really been um, incubated there, and I guess it's been picked up by. Um, you know some of these these figures that we we see sort of in the disinformation project, and even even wider um, across right across academia. So so there's definitely foreign influence there. And in terms of um, you know some of the claims in that article about it, it almost insinuates that operation people were sort of subject to some sort of disinformation operation. the Russians or the Chinese and that is absolutely false you know we 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 work independently as a team and we research what we think is necessary um to to help the public understand what is going on and we try and provide wherever we can references and sources to all our uh material so and I've said before you know you decide don't trust us we we uh, trust that they are smart enough and knowledgeable enough to be able to decide and be able to take our references and, and actually fact check us themselves. And we're absolutely happy for them to do that. So yeah, there, there's some, there's some allegations there, which, you know, they, they are false.
0: So. well Well, that means they're lies actually to insinuate that. Do you think they actually believe that?
1: It's hard to say. Like it's, it's hard for me to um, attribute sort of any intention to what they are trying to do, or, or why it is. Um, it seems there's some sort of a, a witch hunt going on. Um, I don't know what it takes in New Zealand to start up a media company in New Zealand and actually be, you know, not be not be subject to a witch hunt by other um, media that's already operating. I don't know why they spend so much time sort of um, trying to suggest that we are some sort of, you know, Russian or Kremlin shill. And that's when it's absolutely false. And none of us have any contact with any Russians and Russians. Um, you know, we're we're doing our best to do our, to do research and actually provide uh, the evidence of our research so that people can can fact check us themselves. And and I think, for me, uh, coming from sort of um, working in anti human trafficking work, doing some intelligence there, um, when you're investigating people and your your potentially your work is potentially going to be putting them away. And uh, for a very long time, then you want to make sure that you have the, the facts straight, um, the evidence, and you want to make sure that you provide all the sources for the, that evidence so that when it goes through court, the court can really get to the basis of, of what's actually going on. And, and it, that's sort of what we apply to our journalism as well. We, we are trying to provide as, as best we can all the sources uh, to the information so that people can check it out themselves.
0: Well, the picture that is built, um, if you really believed it, people could think this is a very sinister thing that's happening. And, you know, some people um, can be very serious in their response and reactions to to forming those views or believing them. And and that can logically extend to then um, whoever is being and in this case, Chantel and others in the situation, being positioned like this by the media to um, the mass audience, creates a potential physical threat, doesn't it, to someone? And, and I mean, that's very serious, is it not?
1: Yeah, yeah I think when you, when you do have these accusations sort of leveled against you, then I think, yeah, there's there's always potential for a, a threat. And, you know, we, when you say the, the sort of police have um, reached out to the, the trans community and said, if anyone threatens us, um, then, re- then you know, please report it to us so we can deal with it. And actually, I would agree with that. But I would say they should be Same. reaching out both to both sides and saying that and saying, hey, if anyone receives a threat anywhere because – Obviously, this dialogue and discussion is getting relatively heated. They should be extending that uh, service out to both sides and to everyone and saying, hey, you know, because we did see at that event, the violence came from the trans community themselves. And, and, you know, hey, it's not going to be all of the trans community, but it was people that were representing them there on that day. And so... Yeah, I think, you know, the, the police should definitely be impartial and they should be uh, extending those services and that offer out to to both sides rather than taking a side on, on these issues. But it does seem that they are continually sort of taking a side on a lot of these issues, um, which, is, which is probably actually leading to a lot of um, the distrust we see. In the government, and also leading to, I guess if if we look at the latest reporting on uh, trust in media, that's also decreasing as well. So, I think a lot of these issues are actually all um, related. It is getting to quite a, a serious, a serious place where um, it can can get quite dangerous.
0: Okay, so here's the big question I've been leading up to. Given your background. And um, uh, you know you don't have to go into the detail of uh, you've sort of alluded to the areas that you might have uh, gathered info in, and uh, your background in special forces, and understanding threats, security threats, with all this mixed together. And I know that some of them include you know government agencies, institutions, plus the media. If you are gathering intel on the security of a nation. And maybe you can answer this. Maybe you can't. But this is the big question for me. And you're building a picture. How would you interpret all this information? And if you were to make a report back to superiors, what would it be?
1: Well, I guess I, I would sort of go along the lines of, in, in, in my assessment, what I'm what I'm seeing is um, just internally. It's it's not necessarily from external influence. So everyone's yeah. sort of picking up ideas from all over the place because we are connected globally um, via social media, via all types of different sort of mainstream channels. Um, we can get information. Uh, at the tip of our fingers right now and, and that's that's occurring sort of on on both sides of the culture war if you like um and so I, what what i would say is internally within uh, a lot of western nations at the moment there is getting to a point where there's there's two main sort of um, ideologies and, and i would class it as there's sort of this collectivist um critical theory type ideology and and opposing that there's sort of a libertarian because that that libertarian group is is actually made up of people that you would consider to be sort of a bit left wing bit right wing and center there's people in that group of all different religions there's people in that group that would uh, that would lean towards the side of sort of um, social redistribution schemes and things like that and and uh, social security nets, and there's people that would lean more to the sort of business-oriented side and and uh, economically conservative, uh, and and so that that libertarian group is made up with just a lot of people. Generally, what they are united around is is ideas around um, smaller government, less control, and uh, more freedom um, for the citizens. But, what we're seeing within those those two major groups, so you've got that libertarian group and the uh, more collective group, we are seeing some sort of destabilisation. there's There's now getting to the point where, for instance, in the Posey Parker event, you have two groups that are sort of uh, jostling for the same rights. In that case, it's are jostling over how do you define what a woman is. Is a woman defined as an adult human female, a, a biological construct, or is it um, not necessarily biological? Is it more of a social construct where it's, uh, where the, the person themselves gets to decide whether they're a male or a female or a, or a man or a woman? And, and that has implications on whether biological males are allowed in female spaces or not. So that's one instance where you, you can see these two groups that disagree on a fundamental way of defining reality and it's, it's destabilising our, our entire sort of social cohesion. It's, it's, we're becoming destabilised um, as a nation. We're, we're lacking those central values and identities that bind us together uh, as as these two groups are sort of jostling for those positions. Now, what I guess would be the the threat in that assessment is that as we are becoming destabilised, as we also then become vulnerable for exploitation from, um, you know, foreign actors, and that, that could be the, the likes of Russia or China or something like that could take advantage of that situation because we're, you know we've we've weakened ourselves internally, and I think uh, we potentially see that happening, say in the United States at the moment. Uh, it seems a, a lot of countries around the world are uh, seeing that sort of weakness um, because of that destabilisation, and they're taking advantage of it.
0: Um, fascinating to talk about this. Thank you, Phil, for coming in and and giving your thoughts, uh, given what you have been involved with in the past and involved with now. And, um, I guess we'll see, um, how this sort of thing uh, plays out, but do you think it's, um, part of a continuum, this piece in the weekend, because this is why we're talking, or do you think this, this whole thing, like I feel, is starting to sort of peak to a level where, it's kind of no longer a joke.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is sort of getting to that level. But I, I think the other thing as well is, you know, I trust Kiwis to be rational and, and reasonable. And I think, hey, you know, you guys um, have a look at this stuff. Um, keep your your eyes and ears open and, and have a look to see which side appears to be actually fitting with the reality that you see. I'm quite sceptical on on a lot of things. I I work in probabilities and I rate things in in probabilities. I I never really work in absolutes, which can be a bit of a pain, but I I generally sort of rank order things for um, the likelihood. uh, And and that's sort of a scientific way of thinking. Um, And and I think like, you know, we we need to be doing that as – as as kiwis we need to be saying you know like what are these guys up to um thinking about what they're trying to achieve and whether whether their uh claims actually actually match the reality that we see i think with the amount of information that's circulating now and sort of the amount of activism as well um people need to really um be aware of of their sources but vet their sources by checking it uh, with what they actually see in reality, um, if, if that makes sense. So, so verifying sources by, by sort of cross-checking other sources, um, using uh, things like live streams that are a lot harder to cut and edit hmm. and, and verifying news sources that way, that type of thing.
0: But um, just to end, here's the thing, though, the coercive capability of the state is on the side of one particular side and we can't ignore that
1: yeah i I think um that is the case um it does seem that a lot of the public service agencies are sort of behind one side of this and i think this is where it is really important for democracy to play out uh for people to vote and really you know part of what we're trying to do is expose this so that people can see a little bit more behind the curtain so to speak and yeah i think it's really going to play out in, in democracy with voting i i don't see violence as an option i think that is, uh you know it, it's not a good place to be and so we we need to actually have these discussions, we need to be democratic and it it needs to be handled at, at the vote.
0: Phil Shaw, Operation People, thanks for being with us.
1: Awesome. Thanks very much.
0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.